lie, people. Let me just. Uh, okay. You can count us down. All right, recording. All right, so recording, and I will press this through the intro first. Mm -hmm. right, here we go. Welcome to the Los Angeles Sentinel Daily Brief. This is where we talk Black and talk back to the headlines that are impacting the Black experience. I'm Neil Anderson, and here's what you need to know for today. Oklahoma has become a tipping point for Black liberation and faces some of America's most racist acts and events from the past to present. Joining me now to discuss Justice for Black Creek, Justice for Greenwood, the reparations case for the Tulsa massacre living survivors, and justice for Julius Jones, the Black man whose execution was commuted because of protests and rally cries from the Black community. Joining me now is attorney Demario Drake Solomon. Did I say, did I mess the name up? The name is not in there. <laughs> you messed up all the way <laughs> Drake. Demario Solomon Simmons. Okay, I just started joining you now. You had a real good weekend. I understand how good your weekend is now. You come yeah, with the drink. That's the only thing that's not in the teleprompter. <laughs> Demario Solomon Simmons. And you know why I said Drake? Because Solomon Drake is the funeral home out here. <laughs> and it was where my grandfather was, you know, uh, Solomon Drake. Okay. Oh, man. You were doing so, so good. I know. And then I messed up. But now you see where I'm going with the whole three things. Yeah, I got you. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. I got you. And I know exactly who you are because I was watching you on election night last Tuesday with okay. Roland Martin. Y'all was having a good time. Oh, we had a good time. We had a good time. And then Spike Lee came and like made my, I mean, I met a lot wow. of celebrities, but meeting Spike Lee and hanging out with him was right up there at the top. Demario Solomon Simmons. What are you doing? I just, I just put his name in the park. Oh, okay. That's all I have to say is just pick up. Joining me now is Demario. Well, we Sol the, your phone beat ding, so we have to do the whole the, from after. Let's just start from the top. Okay. Demario S Solomon Simmons. Okay, let's go. Okay. Let's just start from the top. Let's just start from the top. Because well, I already got that. Like, I think I'm just going to be that part, and there's the intro graphic, and then there's other stuff. So we don't have to do that part. Okay, let's go. So, let's start from Oklahoma. Okay. Right. We're still recording. <clears throat> Oklahoma has become a tipping point for Black liberation and faces some America. Uh, come on, one more time. See, now I can't. Yep, yes, you can. Okay, let's go. <laughs> All right, here we go. Oklahoma has become a tipping point for Black liberation and faces some of America's most racist acts and events from the past to present. 
Joining me now to discuss justice for Black Creek, justice for Greenwood, the reparations case for the Tulsa massacre living survivors, and justice for Julius Jones, the Black man whose execution was commuted because of protest and rally cries from the Black community. Welcome now, attorney Demario Solomon Simmons. Welcome back to The Daily Brief. Oh, man, it's good to be back. It's good to see you. And I just appreciate all the great work you guys have been doing. No, I appreciate the work that you're doing. I, I got a chance to catch you last week where you were a part of history in Atlanta. Uh, can you talk a little bit about being there to see Raphael Warnock be the first black man elected to a six year term in the Senate? Yeah, it was it was a great time. I had a, the opportunity to co-host. Uh, uh, my good friend Roland Martin's unfiltered uh, daily show with, with Roland, and we were set up. It was amazing. We were right in the ballroom uh, where the victory party was going was happening, and it was literally hundreds of media outlets. And we had the biggest setup, and we right. were just there live, and we were interviewing uh, celebrities as they're coming in, interviewing people about how they felt about the election. And you know, the highlight of the night was obviously Raphael Senator Warnock winning. Uh, but the second highlight, right, right below Warnock winning, was uh, I got to hang out with Spike Lee and meet him for the first wow. time, and that was that was awesome. It, it was it was great. I will say, point of clarification, because I did the same thing Tuesday night when I said Senator Raphael Warnock was the first African American elected from the South uh, to a six year term, you, and I was reminded that Tim Scott is also uh, elected from the South. But I understand why you, just like me, didn't count him as. Uh, the black man, like Raphael Warner. Well, I was just counting Georgia, the first <laughs> oh. one in Georgia, <laughs> right? Well, I said the whole South. I would say on Tuesday, I said the whole South, but I was reminded. Oh, okay. Tim Scott, but when I think about black men, uh, Tim Scott is not the person I think about. Ooh, ooh, shots fired. No, I'm just kidding. All right, but let's get to uh, the matter at hand. And all of this is relevant when we talk about building black political power and standing up for the issues that are important to black people. Um, as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, Oklahoma has really become a tipping point when we look at racial injustices. Oklahoma has become a tipping, a tipping point when we look at issues pertaining to racial justice. Um, and I want to talk to you about something that a lot of our community might not know about, and that's justice for Black Creek. What is that all about? Yeah, well, a lot of people know about Greenwood and it's Black Wall Street and the Tulsa Race Massacre, but people don't realize that the co-founders of Greenwood were Black Creek Indians, which I'm a Black Creek Indian myself. And people don't know, a lot of people don't know the history of Black Native Americans uh, in Oklahoma. If you've heard of the Trail of Tears, that is when uh, the racist president, Andrew Jackson, uh, took the land of the five so-called, uh, the common civilized tribes then, the five tribes, which is the Seminole, the Cherokee, the Choctaw, the Chickasaw, and the Creek. And they forced us to march from our traditional homelands in the, tradition, in the uh, Southeast United States of America, Alabama, Georgia, Florida, South Carolina, Mississippi, et cetera, and marched us to what is now Oklahoma in the 1830s, but at the time it was called Indian Territory. And on okay. that march included black people, African people, uh, some uh, who were enslaved by the Native American tribes and some who were 
tribal members who have been tribal members since before Columbus got here. That's the thing that blows a lot of people's minds that uh, when Columbus and them got here to America, we were here. All of us did not come on the slave ships uh, doing European chattel slavery. Some of us are already here. And so that combination of black people, both free and enslaved, were on that trail of tears and came to Oklahoma. And then from the 1830s to the 1860s, lived out here in Indian Territory, which was outside of the United States of America. So during that time okay. period, there were still Indians who enslaved black or Africans or black Indians, but there's also black people who escaped out of the South and came into Indian territory that were to be free. And so when the Civil War happened in 18, you know, the Civil War, 1861 to 1865, these Native American nations uh, split and some went and fought with the Confederacy and some went and fought with the Union. Well, at the conclusion of the war, there needed to be a new treaty between the Creek Nation and United States of America. That's the Creek Treaty of 1866. That treaty was negotiated by five individuals and signed by five individuals. One of those individuals was my direct ancestor, my four-time great-grandfather, Cal Minko, also known as Cal Tom. And in that treaty, Article 2 outlawed enslavement, and it also gave citizenship to all Creeks of African descent, enslaved or not, to have the same citizenship and benefits as all other Creeks. And that okay. was the law of the land in the Creek Nation up until 1979. In 1979, mm -hmm. the Creek Nation uh, did an illegal vote where they voted to kick out the black members of the nation. And they successfully uh, was successful with that vote. And ever since that day, for 43 years, black Creeks have been fighting to get our rightful citizenship and the benefits that we should receive based on our citizenship. Benefits like healthcare, educational scholarships, housing, cash stipends, and so much more. So I'm gonna, let, I'm gonna stop there and let you get any questions in, but I, cause I can keep going. Yeah, I mean, there's so many things that run through my mind when you're having that conversation. The first thing is like this is reparations for Black Creek is basically what you're asking for. But the second point that came to my mind is critical race theory and the fake notion that the Republican Party is pushing, which is all to suppress this type of history of America that yeah. we have no idea about. You just gave us today's Black history lesson or American history lesson about something in Oklahoma that pretty much none of us know about. Um, and so, you know, really quickly, what are the next steps? How can Black America support uh, or learn more about justice for Black Creek? Yeah, you know, and the thing about it is, yes, it's a uh, an issue that's 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 domiciled or centered here in Oklahoma, but Black Creek Indians are all throughout the nation. I mean, there's a lot of Black Creeks in in uh, California um, because there's a lot of Black people that were in Oklahoma that's now in California. In fact, a lot of people don't know for the Tucker uh, family out in Compton that were the longtime mayors of Compton for about thirty years. They right from my hometown, my my grandparents' hometown. House School, Oklahoma. Uh, so how can people support? First of all, they can go to justiceforgreenwood.org or Justice for Black Creeks. We have two, two websites. 
and they can sign up for our newsletter. They can make a donation to this legal work, this advocacy work, and they can spread this marriage, mm -hmm. this message and this narrative, because this is something that impacts over 150,000 black Creeks throughout this nation. You're talking about tens of thousands of black families that whose lives will be substantially improved if we, when we win our citizenship back, for instance, during the COVID, the heart, the heat of the COVID pandemic, because I think we're still kind of in it, right? The Creek Nation mm -hmm, received right. billions of dollars from the federal government, like other Native American nations. And with that billions of dollars, they also received uh, medication, the shots, before many other locales received that. So the Creek Nation was able to give its citizens the shots earlier, months earlier than other people were receiving it. That meant that there were black Creeks who should have been able to receive their shots, their COVID vaccinations, and they were denied that and they were dying. Also, the Creek Nation gave each of its citizens $4,500 as a COVID payment. Now, you know, in America, wow. we only got a couple thousand dollars, right? They gave each citizen $4,500. That means that that 150,000 plus black Creek Indians who should have received that $4,500, they did not receive it. And that is money that we are entitled to. Mm -hmm. That is money that could have changed the direction of some families. That $4,500 could have been the difference between right. keeping, paying rent, paying for medicine, paying for a new car, paying for uh, school tuition, whatever. We will deny that. And it's all based upon our race. It's all based upon anti-Black discrimination. So as you stated, this is basically a reparations type case. It's something that we're owed. It's something that the law says we should receive, and that's what we're fighting for. Right. And, and you got me thinking again, because my grandmother and her sisters are from Spencer, Oklahoma, and they're in their 90s. And our bloodline is chicks. Yes. And so now I'm like, oh, they may be entitled to forty five hundred that they leaving sitting on the table. See, I, I see. I, I knew I liked you, but I didn't know your people was from Oklahoma. But, you know, that's the thing about. That's the thing about Oklahoma that we're still uncovering to the world. It actually has the most unique and rich black history in the history of this country because of what I've said, the uniqueness of it, because of Indian territory and so many black people that were part of those five nations. Because between 1866 and 1907, thousands and thousands of what we what my family on the native side would call state Negroes, those who came out of the United States and came to Oklahoma seeking freedom, justice and equality. The fact that Oklahoma almost became came into the union as a black state due to a man, a right. black man by the name of Ever P. McCabe, who's the founder of Langston University, which is the only the furthest west historically black college university based here in Oklahoma. The fact that Oklahoma before statehood, it was illegal. I'm going to say this. It was illegal for white people to own land or be here. This was a state that was based upon black and brown people, uh, native people. That is the history of Oklahoma. So when the statehood happened in 1907 and they put in the first law in Oklahoma was segregated railroad, railroad cars and segregated telephone booths and the constitution made Jim Crow the law of the land, then you saw an exodus of black people leaving. And of course with the massacre, with the massacre that destroyed Greenwood, that saw a large population of black people leave and go uh, leave Oklahoma. And then over the years, over the you know, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, black communities in Oklahoma, which was a very black state, 
dispersed all over the place, like to California. So yes, there are black Chickasaws, there are black Choctaws, there are black Seminoles, there are black Cherokees, and like me and my family, there are black Creeks. And they're all entitled to this $4,500 and so much more that they don't even know they could tap into. Is that what you're telling me? Well, no. Well, I'm saying specifically in the Creek Nation, you are entitled to the $4,500. Now, the Chickasaw and the Choctaw, and those are all separate nations. And okay, so okay. I'm not an expert on the Chickasaw uh, nation, but I'm an expert on the Creek Nation because that's my nation. I know a lot about the Cherokee Nation situation. Okay. I know a lot about the Black Seminole situation. Um, and I know a little bit about the Choctaw and the Chickasaw, but I don't, I don't try to profess to be as um, uh, expert on, on those three, two nations. But what I would encourage you to do, if you have not already done this, you know, reach out to me after this interview and say, hey, I want my genealogy done and I can connect you with our genealogists and they can connect you up to see, you know, where you're falling. Because you may be on what they call the Chickasaw by blood road. Or you could be on the wow. Chickasaw Freedman Road. If you're on the blood by blood road, they're gonna say, "Come on in. We recognize we recognize you. and We're gonna make you a citizen." But if you're on the Chickasaw Freedman Road, which all the black people, most of the black people were, they're gonna give you the hand like they're giving us Creek folks and say, "No, nah, we don't. We don't recognize you." This is you know, black fact. people. We're on the bottom. We're on. You know, you, you gotta ask yourself sometimes. At least I do. You know what? What did what did we do? What did we do to be hated by so many people? For so long, for so all over the world, because black people are on the bottom of the barrel in each and every social statistic, and everybody hates us. And these these nations have used their hatred of us to continue to oppress us, while at the same time getting our tax dollars. Because see, the federal government subsidizes the Creek, Choctaw, Chickasaw, Seminole, and Cherokee nations, and I support that as a Native American ancestor. Mm -hmm. How can my tax dollars support something that's then going to uh, discriminate against me? Right. I mean, I, I, I totally understand what you say, because I, I, I ask that question to God sometimes, like, why are we so oppressed? But then I also think about, although we're oppressed, we are the trendsetters. That's we right. are the number one buyers and consumers. If we say it's legit, then the world follows us. And so it's right. such a... It's such a um, catch-22 that African-Americans right. find ourselves in because although we're Black excellence, we are the ones that are disenfranchised the most. And then when That's we right. do liberate ourselves, we bust the door open for all other minorities too. It, 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 it's an interesting conversation to have. But you also brought up uh, the Tulsa massacre and you are representing the four survivors um, with another reparations trial. Can you give us an update on where that case stands right now? Yes, um, we are in discovery right now as we speak. Uh, also, the city of Tulsa, the Tulsa Chamber of Commerce, the Tulsa County, and the other perpetrators of the massacre that we have sued, they're still trying to get our case kicked out of court. So wow. we they filed another motion to dismiss back in October. We had to respond to that. We did so on November 18th. And now we're just waiting for our judge to make a determination on what's going to be the full scope of our case. You know, back in August of 2022, she, you know, she narrowed our case more than what we thought was 
that we thought it should have been. You know, we didn't think it was fair, but you know, that was her decision, and it's, that's how it works sometimes. No, and not sometimes. That's how it works. Oftentimes, I'm an advocate. I want 100. percent She gave me, you know, 50. percent um, I'm not happy about that, but I'm a big boy, and so I'm gonna keep moving forward and try to win on the 50 percent scope that she gave us. And so our 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 clients are still going strong. Mother Leslie Benefield Randall turned 108 on November 10th. And we celebrated her and we had a uh, celebratory lunch for her. And I tell you, I went to this lunch and Mother Fletcher was there, who's already 108, and Mother Randall was there. And I'm standing in between these two beautiful black women, both 108 years old, dressed to the nines, hair done, nails done, looking and smelling good. And I told my wife, I said, this is the presence of God. This is the very presence of God that these women who've gone through the massacre, who were sharecroppers, who were domestics, Jim Crow, everything that they had to deal with, and yet they're here, they're healthy, and they're still motivated to fight for justice and reparations, not just for them, not just for their families, and not even just for Greenwood, but for our entire community, because they understand as I understand. We have to win Tulsa massacre so we can win reparations overall for our community because if we're not able to win when we have living survivors we have documentation we have video we have pictures we have insurance claims we have old lawsuits that were filed but we cannot win with all that evidence and with the whole world watching it's going to make it much more difficult for us to win reparations for enslavement and the other uh, dramatic and that's terrible deeds that we've had to endure as black people. Right. And I'm just so glad that they were able to see, although it took a hundred years that, that it mattered and that there, it was injustice done to our people and that they have the hope that they may even get the redemption that they haven't received in over 108 years or so, well, 100 years plus by what happened right. to them. So really thank you for the work that you're doing. And I brought up Julius Jones because it, it's so much um, that Oklahoma is representing right now when we look at the state of this nation and we think of systemic racism. I know that you're not his attorney, but for all of you who don't know, Julius Jones, uh, his sentence was commuted thanks to his family and advocates from Oklahoma and across the country. Well, he was supposed to he was supposed to be executed and they stayed his execution. But now he's in prison for life. And then and, and that brings me to the uh, final question to you. Uh, what? When we look at systemic racism in this country and we look at the three cases that we're talking about right now, Julius Jones, we're looking at criminal justice. Uh, when we look at uh, justice for Black Creek, as well as the Tulsa massacre, we're looking at reparations. Uh, where do you see all of this going as we look at the liberation for uh, Black people in this country? Uh, where do you see all of this taking us as we look ahead? Yeah, well, first of all, I appreciate you bringing up Julius Jones. I knew, I know him. I mean, I knew him. I played football at the University of Oklahoma with his uh, with his brother, and we spent we spent a lot of time together. So I got to meet Julius when he was a high school student. He was a uh, a straight A student. He was a basketball star. He came to the University of Oklahoma on a full academic or on an academic scholarship. I don't know. I think it was full. Well, I'm saying he was a leader, and what happened to him was um, a shock and a tragedy. 
And for him to be on death row as long as he was, was also a tragedy for his family, his, his brother, his parents. And it was such a blessing uh, to see the community, both local and national, galvanize and organize around saving his life. And I, I you know, I had a, a very, I mean, minuscule portion of that. I mean, you know, I would definitely defer to my sister and my partner, uh, Dr. Tiffany Crutcher of the Crutcher Foundation, who was really helped spearhead a lot of that work, was on ground, was at McAllister the day he was supposed to be executed, was there organizing um, uh, people in harm's way. It was police, it was uh, high, uh, state troopers, and it was harm's way. And all of that momentum caused uh, Julius Jones' life to be spared. I don't think it was fair for him to be, obviously we wanted to spare his life, that's number one. Uh, but it was commuted to life without parole. So the, the, the struggle does not stop. Uh, we want to see right. Julius out of prison. We don't believe Julius was, uh, we believe he was wrongfully co uh, convicted. We think his sentence was wrong. We think the fact that he's still in prison is wrong. So those who are listening, it's not over. The fight to free Julius Jones continues to move forward. And I know there are activists, like I said, and who are just front and center on that, working on that each and every day. And we want to ask people to continue to do that, continue to pray for the Jones family, and continue to fight for Julius' uh, ultimate freedom from prison. We saved his life. Now we want him out of prison. So you're right. We have uh, fights going on all around here in Oklahoma. We're trying to keep Julius out, get Julius out of prison, reparations for the Tulsa race massacre, justice for Black Creeks. We're fighting these uh, CRT uh, legislation down here. We have a right-wing uh, governor who was just elected in a landslide despite his corruption and his and his uh, racism. We have a new uh, superintendent of schools that is completely uh, anti-black and what he calls quote-unquote anti-wokeness. Ain't it something how they took a word, a slang that we use in our community to signify that we understood what was going on with white supremacy to use that against us? So we have all that going on in Oklahoma. And if we can win here in Oklahoma, we can win anywhere in the world. I think so. And I think all eyes are on Oklahoma because of, of these important issues that really are at the center of Black America and, and, and the fight for liberation. So we really appreciate you being on the front line. As you know, it's always an open invitation for you here. And thanks for updating us about what's happening in Oklahoma right now. Absolutely. So I just tell people, go to justiceforgreenwood.org, connect with us, make a donation. If you can donate $5, do five. If you can donate 500, do 500. If you can donate 5,000, do 5,000. My point is, do what you can. Each and every one of us has have to do what we can. You know, Dr. Carter G. Woodson, his great book, The Miseducation of the Negro, he said, our, our community does not need any more leaders. We need servants, those who will serve the wants and needs of our people. And that's what I'm asking each and every one of you that's listening today. Do what you can to help us and help those in your neighborhood, your community. Do what you can to be a servant to black people. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. All right. I think you've heard it all. And to keep up with Justice for Greenwood, Justice for Tulsa, all of this information can be found right at the LASentinel.net. And we're available wherever podcasts can be heard. I'm Neil Anderson, and you have just been debriefed. All right. Thank you so much. Hey, that was good. That was fun. I sure appreciate it. We we'll definitely keep you guys in a loop. 
of our, our the next thing come out. I should have said this, but on April 3rd, we have a, a trial in the in the Black Creek case. So that's gonna be a big deal. We're gonna have a big we push. have to have you back then. We'll have you back. Yeah. And then uh yeah. just make sure that your uh your press person is sending me all the uh emails, the press releases, so we can put them on the website as well, and then we'll send you the links. Okay, sounds fantastic. All right, all have right, a great week. We'll talk so maybe maybe edit out the Tim Scott stuff since you thought it was shots fired. <laughs> oh no, I was gonna have him enter the shots fired thing. It, it just oh, came okay. out. <laughs> well, and, he, and look, he took note of it. Aaron took oh, note cool. of it. All right, peace. All right. All right, peace and love. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, I just ended the recording.